Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerd Stock Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me, as always, are my two fantastic, spectacular, wonderful, brilliant co-hosts, Drew Garrison and Tristan Benz. Now, I want to get through the greetings here very quickly, because I just want to get into our topic today. Drew, how you feeling? I'm feeling pretty that was pretty good i don't think we'll get hit with anything there no <laughs> yeah, copyright I, issues I, they can't they can't copyright a cover anyway uh yeah so yeah i'm feeling pretty invincible feeling pretty good really really want to get into the topic so i'm just gonna pass it off to our other co-host the arbiter of culture over here tristan benz you kind of stole my bet i was gonna say i'm and then not uh say anything. I wasn't going to do the theme. I was just going to leave it silent, but I'm also doing well. Let's talk about Invincible. Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So, we usually go through a whole cast and crew. I have a prelude. We're Since saving that for part basically two. basically part one to part two of this season because Amazon and old Bob Kirkman decided to go, you know what? Let's split this motherfucker up. You know, three years of waiting for season two. That wasn't long enough. I'm joking, of course. Actually, I think this is kind of a good idea. Because, you know, it's getting around the holiday season. And it'd be better to make sure, like, when you're releasing the episodes, people are going to be able to see it as they come out. So, coming back in January, I think that's a good call. Where we ended it. Oof. Cannot wait to get into it. But, guys, let's talk about Invincible Season 2. This is a long time coming. How did you feel about Season 2 Part 1 here? Drew, you can go first. I'm sure you're very excited. It was explosive. It was amazing. It it's like it's got better animation. It it's got the sauce. It's got it's on fire, but it's not burning. It's amazing. I don't know how many other allegories I can go through before I start just getting into the stuff. But I I felt like this season one part one is amazing. My only complaint is is that it is a part one, and I only got four freaking episodes. I want more. I agree. I'm so sad that we are not going to get new Invincible this week. And for the next few weeks, at the very least. Uh, that really sucks. Tristan, what you think about this season so far? It's real fucking good. Uh, it's about what I expected. Um, very similar to the first season, where even if you have read the comics, there's still some stuff in here that will surprise you just based on how they're, you know, playing with the timetable of events and in which uh, certain story beats happen and just, you know, adding new twists to things. But overall, I think it's continuing a lot of the, the great storytelling and the goodwill with the, the fans from the first season. And yeah, I've just, I've been, I've been having a blast. It's been a highlight of my week. And like you, I am fiending for when we get new episodes in January. Yeah, I don't think they've officially said it was January, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't January. Well, they did say that they were going to use the extra time to uh, spice up the uh, big stuff that will happen in Season 2 that I'm not allowed to say because spoilers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's just go ahead and get into that. So, real quick, I just I think this is one of the best TV shows on Delvin currently. Like, it's... I'm trying to like wrap my brain around like what are the best TV shows on for me personally. Frasier, of course, obviously. Last of Us is there. <laughs> Frasier, obviously. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm tuning in every week. <laughs> Just gonna say that every week, and but it's for every like all different reasons, right? 
for comedy, drama, whatever. Like, everybody's lists are going to be different. For me, it's like Last of Us, Cobra Kai. Stranger Things is never coming back, so... <laughs> at this point, so I don't really consider that. But I think Invincible is right up there for me. Like, it is so good quality-wise. It has great comedy, action, the animation. I know there's been some discourse around the quality of the animation. I think it's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I actually think it's better than season one. I would go that far, yeah. Yeah, I think I think for most of it, it's like around this time because of the uh, thing of the comics, and this is coming from me and Tristan who like read through the comic and everything. The comic, it's the art style starts off simplistic and gets more detailed, and by this point we are in season two, you are fully into the invincible like. It is clean, it is amazing, and everything. Because I've seen, like, uh, some tweets and everything going out about how they just wish it, they just wish the um, animation was a little more detailed and everything. Because I can understand it. It's like, we're in, for Invincible, it's like, it's a, the art style is unique because it keeps, like, gritty parts while also not losing its color. It doesn't use the fact that Invincible can be gritty um, to mute its color palette. In this one, it feels as though it's still a bit simplistic. Like, it is an evolution from season one. And, and I f- totally get it, but it's like, I do think, like, it's this is a better animation quality than season one. And I think it'll get better as time goes on. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the animation is improved from last season. I think all the characters are improved from last season. Because last season was more, to me anyways, like... Oh, here's this superhero origin story, but here's a few twists that you guys don't usually see in superhero movies or TV shows. Like, for example, the Superman figure is the villain, who is also the main character's father. Oh, we have never seen that before. Well, (laughs) we have recently, but not to the extent that, like, oh, it's the main character's dad. And he has to eventually go against him. And there's all sorts of twists and turns in that that I think is not a parody of a superhero show. I think this is a TV show that loves superheroes. And it just, instead of just going down the rabbit hole of, okay, here's what all these tropes are, it feels like Robert Kirkman and all the people involved in the series and with the comics, of course, went, okay, here are the tropes. How can we just screw with them a little bit? Not in a parody way, but more so in a, how can we keep the audience on their toes and make something fresh? I think that's really worked so far with the show. Well, and with that, like, I mean, obviously this is a great show, but, and, and it benefits from Robert Kirkman also being so heavily involved, but, I, and I've seen a lot of people talk about this, but we can't just put that on the show. Like, this is adapting the comic. This is doing what the comic did yeah. 20 years ago where it was taking all those superhero tropes and twisting them on their heads and playing with them. We're just at a point now, thanks to, you know, the MCU, the DCU for better or worse, like the Sony stuff, everyone in the, the general audience has a better understanding of common superhero tropes. Cause that's crap we see in the theater, you know, constantly now there's more, the, the general audience understands the language to a degree that, something like this that adapts a comic that is not necessarily subversive, but self-aware, it can have just as much of an impact on, you know, the, the 50 year old mom who sits down to watch, who's never read a comic in her life, but she's seen, you know, 
an Avengers movie here and there as it would on a hardcore fan. Yeah. I also think, like, Invincible does something that I feel like a lot of other people get trapped in. It's deconstruction without disrespecting. So the whole thing with, like, a lot of... A lot of people like to deconstruct genres and everything, and the whole point and the whole point of their deconstruction is disrespecting. It's like, oh, this could never happen. It's like nobody would act like this. And it's like one of the most popular deconstructions is, of course, evil Superman, which we get in Invincible. But I think the difference between a lot of other evil Superman and this one is that this evil Superman plays straight that evil Superman is still a person and a character. Mm-hmm. And that there could and that like, of course, they're gonna have their own goals, evolution, and if they're still alive, if they're still alive, could they remain evil? Will they remain evil, or will they, uh, ter- will they turn to good? Will they just stop? It's like you, it's like Invincible treats these characters as characters with actual feelings and evolutions and everything, and, ju- and doesn't just say, "Oh, this is how it is because I say so," which is a lot of deconstruction because you just want to say, "Oh, I don't." Most uh, people who do it, oh, I don't, I don't like this, so I'm just gonna like tear it down. Yeah, I'm not going to get involved in this part of the conversation because in our season one retrospective, uh, Tristan, you weren't here for it. You did the spoiler talk with me uh, Mm. years ago whenever the show came out. But Drew and I were talking on the retrospective and we brought up the boys a few times. More specifically, I brought up the boys a few times. And like my issues with the boys is a little bit what Drew's talking about. It feels like it's more like, hey, let's make fun of superheroes and all this and i'm like no what's the story though it feels like we're not moving anywhere and invincible is the opposite to me to where it feels like we're always moving somewhere and it just feels like my time is being well spent yeah like they're respecting my time by telling me a story uh so not gonna get fully into it because we talked about it enough weeks ago but i agree with drew on that Oh, I, I was saying, ironically, on the boys' front, I heard that apparently its spinoff show, Gen V, has apparently, like, kickstarted the plot again, so. I mean, it's also getting yeah. a spinoff set of Mexico, so there you go. Awesome. I think it's literally called The Boys Mexico. Which you'd think would be, like, Los Ninos or something, but. That not, would be an awesome name. That, that feels like a first draft of the title, and then months later, it gets renamed. So, I'm sure it'll get renamed. But besides the point, getting into the season itself, I have to thank you guys. You two are people who read the comics. We are. You know everything that's basically, I don't want to say everything that's going to happen because it's been said already, and I'm sure it'll continue to be. The show changes things here and there, sometimes small things, sometimes big events. So it's not... 100% adapting what's from the comic to the screen, right? Mm. But it's also adapting it more than, let's say, just for a comparison, like the MCU to Marvel Comics. It's doing way more than that. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, you guys kind of get a feeling. You kind of get the blueprint, I would say, of where we're going generally. And the reason I want to thank you two is because I have sat here for not one, not two, but three Invincible episodes on this program. And I have talked up this show. I've been saying all the great things about it. And you two have both sat here with a patience of a saint. Mm-hmm. And just going, oh man, you sweet summer child. You have no idea 
what's ahead of you. You fool. You have no idea <laughs> that soon this man named Angstrom Levy will introduce the multiverse, and you will probably get a little aggravated because, man, they're doing the multiverse and everything. And then you'll realize, oh, thank God, they're not going to do this as a crazy, like, Kang MCU, like, let's make everything about the multiverse. It feels like it's meant for Angstrom Levy and to address Mark's character arc, which is amazing. You didn't tell me about Nolan's story, about how he goes to another planet and becomes their leader. Like, I'm so proud of you two for not spoiling me. Because you, I don't know if I couldn't have, if I could have done the same. I'm pretty sure I would have accidentally spoiled something by now. I mean, we're men of culture, you know. Yeah. Admittedly, I did try to tease you a bit, Taylor. I, I left one tidbit, but Tristan stopped me. <laughs> I'd tell you a goddamn thing. I, I didn't want to spoil shit. I didn't want, I wasn't, tr- I wasn't trying to spoil. I was trying to, I was just trying to bring it up so Taylor would notice. <laughs> And Drew, you specifically, buddy. And I, I feel like we need to start here. Start with the third episode of the season. Oh my god, Taylor, really? forever to talk about this. And I'm just going to let him go off about it. I am very proud of you because you kept going, Alan Alien's amazing, Alan Alien's amazing. And for me, I'm like, look, I just, I don't really get... I don't know, like, if you're talking about just the character or you do really like Seth Rogen. For me, I've never really gotten Seth Rogen. And I'm not saying, like, he puts on this, like, Oscar-winning performance. That said, I watched the third episode, which is called This Missive, This Machination. Fuck, it was so good. And one of the reasons it was so good is because it technically was not an Invincible episode for half of it. It basically was two episodes put into one, and that's because the first half was not invincible. It was Alan the fucking alien. So, Drew, how'd you feel about this episode? Boy, I say my my fellow brothers in comic book nerddom, this was everything I wanted. Like, oh my god. Like, not only not only do I get my boy Alan the alien, and Seth Rogen is playing him really well it's like i don't normally get seth rogan he can he confuses me but but he is playing my boy and he is doing amazing and oh my god him next to optimus thaddeus prime like oh my god i know it's pronounced thaddeus in the show i've always pronounced it thaddeus i don't know if i'm going to change but oh man this this episode was everything I needed it had Alan's people it had what Alan has gone through what Alan has gone through in his life him with the him with the Viltrumites just this guy who was like looking and saying hey this is different this is different Mark is not a bad dude it's like oh this is the this is the guy who is going to have your back in a in a scrape I admit the one change the one change that I was a bit nervous about was making his girlfriend a part of the a coalition and not just a citizen because yeah, she's normal yeah she's normally like his humanizing point or because but um making her a part of it you know what i'm fine i'm fine with that just as long as she doesn't lose that humanizing edge to her and she seems to have that in the diner scene so i'm so excited if anything more you know the i wouldn't say humanizing she seems to be less of an ass in in uh in the tv show she's kind of a jerk in the in the comic 
It helps she's voiced by Tatiana Maslany. That is true. Yeah. Like it's like oh it's like oh my god Tatiana I am so glad I am so glad to hear you outside of the Hulk of She-Hulk right now cuz I have missed when <laughs> I you cook for that. I have missed when she cooked. It was not a great, great show. show. She cooked in She-Hulk. No, it wasn't. But yeah, Ooh. Well, it's getting a second season, so you know, there you go. Yeah, a lot of bad shows got a second season. Don't even get me started, yeah. Tristan. We we are not here for She-Hulk. We are here for actual sure. quality. Good so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, Tristan, how did you feel about Alan Aland here? The his episode, basically. I mean, this is exactly where he got his little moment to shine in the in the comics too. When Amber and and Mark start to bang, it's like, all right, like the the narration that they have Paul F. Tompkins reading, like that's literally just. Oh, that's, so good. that's those are the the word balloons from the the comic where it's like oh, okay we yeah. shouldn't be watching this let's go see what alan's up to like it's uh it was good stuff i mean i already was on board with seth rogan as alan the alien but this was uh mm-hmm. i was like damn yep they they're they're fucking crushing it it, it sealed the deal for me it was like okay there there are a couple moments in season one where i'm like eh, all right all right seth rogan i like you i like alan i think you're doing fine but his uh, performance in this is like okay yeah no I'm I'm fully I'm fully locked in and uh, I look forward to seeing more of uh, you know what's what that storyline is like uh, in, in I did two. not expect them to keep the narration I didn't either I did not either and I was I was a big fan I think the narration was part of why I love this so much and it's a bit out there especially because it doesn't really fit with like what we've seen on the show so far to that point. But it's exactly what you were talking about, Tristan. Whenever, you know, Mark and Amber are getting it on, they're about to do the old devil's tango. And then the narrator's like, all right, let's go over to Alan Alien. And then Alan and his girlfriend start to get a little intimate. So he's like, all right, let's go back to Mark and Amber. <laughs> they're still going. So he is so, he's feels so awkward about it. He's like, ah, uh, let's talk about this feline cat that Alan has. It's for that scene alone. It was worth doing the animation, or not the animation, the narration. Mm-hmm. And it really does help that it was Paul F. Tompkins doing the narration. I thought that was a perfect casting. Yeah, he was fantastic. I agree with you too. I think Seth Rogen did a great job in this episode. My thing with him has always been—it's <sighs> going to sound mean, but it's effort. It, like, I had this issue in the Mario movie, and I was like, he didn't feel like he tried. Like, everybody was worried about, you know, Chris Pratt and everything. I felt like Seth Rogen was the one who was like, eh, I don't really care. Seth Rogen, like, put some emotion into this. Like, not crazy like he's going to win an award for one episode yeah. level emotion, but enough to where I'm like, okay, he's he's invested. Alan Alien is not going to be a... I'm coming in for a paycheck. I'm just going to do my thing and I'm leaving. It feels like Seth Rogen is invested in this character. And with the writing, I think the character is going to be amazing for the show. And I say that because I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. I know you two are probably going to be like, oh, can't say anything because comics. But I don't buy that he's dead for a single heartbeat, mainly because the writing in this show minus the whole, you know, they forgot about the school episode and then wrote the Amber thing. Other than that, the writing has been on point. 
I would say like a masterclass for superhero content or really just television content for all the stuff they're juggling. So it would be insane, insanely stupid actually for them to go, Oh yeah, Thaddeus prime. He's going to tell Alan that there's a mole and then he's going to get attacked by the Viltrumites right afterwards. And right after that, when Alan also told the Viltrumites nothing, Thaddeus just kills him because he's the mole. That makes absolutely zero fucking sense. And I refuse to believe that the writing staff is going with that. Well, there you go. I mean, that's all all, all I'll say is, well, there you go. There you go. I figured. But all in all, I thought this was (laughs) a great episode. I do love how we do get basically two Invincible episodes that week. Yeah, it was when when the when the credits hit and it's like, oh, okay, that's it. And then there's a little another five minutes where, well, it took me another five minutes. Like, oh, I guess this is a long little after credit scene. That press ball is like, oh, so that was just halfway through the episode. Okay, I guess the show's still going on. Yeah, it was a smart way to basically do a little bit of what they did with the anime special, but they didn't want to spend like the whole like, hey, let's do a whole episode hour on Alan. And I'm wondering if they could do that with other characters down the line. Yeah. Of course, I, I think everybody is speculating about, like, in between seasons doing a Rexplode episode or a robot episode or something like that. But I think it also works for characters you don't have a whole lot you want to really get into. And you can spend, like, 20 minutes. Oh, here's their deal. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. This does uh, help get us used to a format where it's like, oh, when we're not focusing on Mark, we can focus on other characters and see how they're doing and everything. And uh, I do I do wonder like if they'll try new um, opening credit sequences for them because Alan's was pretty fun. I loved awesome. his spray paint one. It was really cool. I think the music fit. Like, I really enjoyed that song choice. It's, it actually hit my playlist after that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just think it really fit the character, too, for this, like, upbeat. No, this is about Alan. Basically, them telling the audience, screw Invincible for a little bit. Uh, for Amber, literally, there. But besides <laughs> <laughs> the point, we're going to focus on Alan. And I thought that was a really good call, especially because people like Drew, because there's a lot of people like Drew who are like, oh, man. Alan's great, y'all just wait. And we finally see his backstory, and really how badass he is. So, I'm excited for the future of the character. I wanted to start with that because of how much Drew has talked up Alan. But, let's let's be real, guys. Let's get into the main event. Let's talk about the Grayson family. Damn, I thought we were going to talk about the Atlanteans. <laughs> the what? The, the Atlanteans. Atlanteans. <laughs> the, fish, the fish people. <laughs> I love how the second episode, when I went to go click on the second episode, I was like, all right, this one's going to be weird. It's called, in about six hours, I lose my virginity to a fish. Again, (laughs) that's a quote from a comic. These episode names honestly are just too good. Like, when you like look at them, it's like, it just makes you curious about what's going to happen if you don't know what's going to happen. And then if you do know what's going to happen. You're like, oh yeah, here comes here comes the good stuff. Just to give the audience some context here, episode one is called A Lesson for Your Next Life. I think you can 
if you want to go a little what color are the curtains here, you could look at the look we got at the alternate mark in Nolan. And then look where we are right now with our mark in Nolan. Like, what is... You, I think you can make some kind of connection there. Um, and also, the next life being post-Omni-Man attack. Uh, second episode, in about six hours, I lose my virginity to a fish. Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> this missive, this machination, it was said in the episode about Alan. And, of course, the fourth episode. The one that I think everybody is talking about. It's been a while. Which is what Nolan tells Mark. When he sees him again. Uh, but I want to get into the Grayson family. Because I think it's the most compelling part of the whole season. And what I love is it's not just Mark and Nolan. It's the entire Grayson family that I feel like is hitting on all cylinders. In terms of giving interesting stories to the audience. I'm invested in Debbie. In a way that I did not think I would be. After season one. I am fully invested in her character and where she's going next. I'm fully invested in Nolan's character. He might be the most interesting character in the entire series right now to me. And Mark, I love the character arc he's on. For Mark to be like, I'm not my father. And then the next time he sees his father, he hugs him. Because it's just, it's so complicated. He knows what his father did, but he loves him. It's just, it, it's part of him. And it's just that complicatedness in the relationship. And I find that so compelling. What did you guys think of the Grayson family so far in this season? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think you should go first. I think you should go first on the Omni-Man one. Because when we talked last time, and episode three had just came out, it's like you, sa- it's like you said, I can't not wait to see Mark deck Omni-Man in the face. And I kept my mouth <laughs> shut. Because I did want to know what you would think about it. So I want you to go a bit more in depth into what you were feeling when you saw Mark hug Omni-Man. Just a bit. Come on. Well, I feel like I've been talking too much. So I don't want to really... Well, it's harder. I mean, it's harder for us to talk because we're trying to avoid spoilers. Like, we... it. Yeah. Drew and I enjoyed the show. We were enjoying the season. That was never in doubt. We're we're still playing the game of <laughs> trying to not spoil things. We're doing a delicate dance here, so we need your thoughts to to bounce off of because there is just a lot that we okay. cannot say about this season because especially just for you know things that are going to be coming in the next four episodes. Like we know for the most part, you know what we can expect. So we're we're it's yeah. you know we're biting our tongues here. You know generally where it's going. Yeah, it's like not even generally. Like we like they they've changed stuff around, but we know what's going to happen. They might add a bit extra. They might like cut some small pieces off. We know where it's going. And do you know how hard it is? How hard it is to not fanboy out about some of the characters that we have not even met yet that we have only gotten cameos to. Dude, Dude, one of my favorite pieces might be coming this season. And I can't even talk about it right now. So that is why I'm getting you to talk so I can get my words together. So, Taylor, do us all a favor. (laughs) Do not shut up and talk. All right. So I guess I'll I'll talk about Nolan. Yeah, I messaged Drew on Discord because I was talking about the uh, Alan Alien thing and uh, getting into... Uh, what I wanted to see for the next episode, I was like, I wanted to see 
my theory was that Mark was going to accidentally do what Nolan did on purpose. And I thought Mark was going to destroy this bug planet. Beating the shit out of his dad, who was now holding back because he did not want to hurt his son. That's what I thought was going to happen. And see, this is one of the things to where I think in fandom, there's the complaint like, oh, you guys just theorized everything. And because your theory didn't come true, you hated it. This is one of the things where, no, that's not an accurate assessment. I am fine if a show or a movie does something different when I theorize. I just want it to be good. That's half my problem whenever something goes haywire and I go, there's 15 ways you could have went about this that's far more entertaining. And you went with the dumbest. And with this, it's not what I thought was going to happen. But man, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I loved how complicated that relationship was. I love how many F-bombs were in the fourth episode. And a lot of it was Mark telling <laughs> Nolan to go yeah, fuck like, off. Fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt very human. It felt like it was not holding back. It felt like, honestly, in this very fantastical superhero realm, how would two humans talk to each other if that situation had happened to them? I think Mark's reaction's pretty accurate. Especially for a teenager. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like that would be my reaction, (laughs) would be, no, fuck off, man. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, and uh, it's just, uh, starting with the Nolan thing, probably my favorite moment in the entire season to this point is the beginning. Just talked about how great I love, or how much I love the uh, Alan introduction and how the music amplified that. Avalanche. That song that played when Nolan was just going through space, mm-hmm. aimless, didn't know what to do. He just kept flying. You could see how tired right he was. Like, God dang, the depression. Yeah, that I, I've said it so many times on the podcast, man. Like, music can elevate scenes. And I do not know why so many creators go against that. Or not utilize it correctly. Invincible's not one of those properties they know how to use music and it amplified this scene so much seeing the depression it really showed to me not to like let him off the hook he killed thousands of people not it you know everybody has their bad days but i was gonna say hey you know <laughs> you, you never uh you never get in some weird shenanigans you know it happens yeah it's some weird shenanigans, <laughs> but shenanigans. you can see the regret in a way of what he did. Not because he didn't... It's not because of humanity, I want to say. But because what he did to his family. I think that is why he is regretting so much. What he did to Debbie and mostly Mark. So, I love that scene. I love what we're getting with Nolan so far. This, like... I should... Like, he tells old Steve Harvey. <laughs> Veltramite. <laughs> when he goes, like, oh, you should be dead. Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I am a disgrace, but you're the one who's going to die. Like, he's keeping that, like, edgy teenager dialogue that I think everybody did like from the first season. But now it's against the Viltrumites, so it's, like, even more hype. Yeah. I Um, really love... Oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Tristan. You can Uh, go first. Okay, yeah. With the... 
at least the montage, like with Avalanche and everything, I that might have been one of my favorite scenes from the whole season, just because that Nolan's perspective of it that way isn't something that we really get in the in the comic. Like they do the bit of him flying away from Earth, we see. I think we get like a couple flashes of him just like flying in space when he's retelling the story. Um, but like when he's retelling to Mark, like, oh, how he came to this planet. Like, it literally is just him telling, like, yeah, I flew for a while, and then I ended up here. Like, you don't get to see that, you know, I mean, what it is, that depression and everything. We don't see him save those people. We don't see them, like, ask him to stay. And being able to actually see the immediate fallout um, from his actions on Earth and how they affected him in that moment, that was a, a welcome change from the comic, which, you know, when you're reading the comic, you don't necessarily think that much about it because by the time he, by the time Mark sees Nolan again, it's, what, how many issues would you say, Drew? Like, it's at least a, a like, year or two. Yeah. Like, in terms of how the issues would have come out. Like, it, the Nolan fight happens in issue, what, 13? Something yeah, issue- like that. And then we yeah, don't it's around see... issue thirteen, and then we don't see him until it's like in the thirties, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a while. Like by the time you see Nolan again, you've forgotten. Like, oh yeah, I, that would have been a pretty raw moment for him. Let Let's take a look at that. Um, but no, I I love that sequence, and even the bit where it's like, oh, he seems like essentially suicidal. Like he's gonna let that you know black hole just swallow him because he's he's done. He's yeah, I didn't even talk so about the black hole bit, which also while showing the depression that Nolan has and it's a very serious moment, part of me also goes, damn, he is really, really fucking powerful. Because he just easily went from, I'm just going to let myself get sucked into the black hole to, I'll just save this ship. Yeah, this is something that is new. This is something something new for the, uh, from the comics and everything, because Viltrumites like, they're powerful, but they weren't so powerful they could stay in a black hole, especially with a certain moment that we'll get in the future. But I'm actually... Re- it's, like this, it's like, definitely Nolan at least just got a glow up. I think, though, that he he's uh, just far enough away from the event horizon that he's not truly affected, whereas a, a ship would be affected. So I think that's the whole thing, because otherwise... Some of the stuff that we're going to get later on is going to be very confusing. That's my theory, anyway. We'll see. No spoilers. We'll see. Like, they, they, could, they could amp up the Viltrumites here. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe uh, the creators realize, hey, you know how everybody's saying that the Saiyans would still trump the Viltrumites, even though I disagree with that? It's like, hey, let's, uh, let's change that a bit. <laughs> but how did you guys feel about Nolan's story to this point? I know... We've said it on the podcast already a few times, but I know it's difficult for you guys to kind of maneuver around here, but try your best. How are you feeling about his story just in the show? I guess you can kind of compare it to how it is in the comics, but I, I think that would be a little more difficult, I'd imagine. Honestly, it just expands on what the comic does. So in truth, it does everything mm-hmm. it, it does everything it needs to. And it is really, really good. Because I know where it's going, I enjoy this a lot more. Which I think just says to what Invincible is, that it can be just such a rewatchable, rewreadable thing. It, uh, I wanted to say show, but then I was like, that excludes the comic. And when I say the comic, I would <laughs> exclude the show. But it's just, it's amazingly something that you can go through all of its mediums and just, you know where everything's going. 
you're still going to enjoy it. That is, that, is one of the, that is one of the things I like about this. And knowing where Omni-Man is going and where his story goes, I really, really am enjoying this. Yeah, same. Like, it's, it has so far given us a little bit more depth than we got up until this point in the comic, but it is definitely on the path to make it as, as engaging a, a story arc as it is in the original comic. I like it. He's one of my favorite characters in the in the comic, so I, I, I like what we're doing. And J.K. Simmons' performance, you know, as always, he's crushing it. Like, mm-hmm. that man that man does not miss. Uh, and and he is, he is bringing his A-game to, to this season. Fun fact, if you, yeah. if you look at his, if you look at his Instagram account and his, and his workout photos, you might believe that he's actually Omni-Man in real life, or at least a Viltrumite. <laughs> Hey man, they're doing that live action movie. I don't think it's a bad idea to cast him as Omni Man. Uh, but besides the point, I I completely agree with you guys. I think he is one of the most compelling, or not the most compelling character right now in the show. Um, and I think there's one of the other scenes that really showcase where his mindset's at is whenever he like we haven't even talked about Mark's new brother, <laughs> and it's uh. His new wife, which that threw me for a loop, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, animators. There, that was that's an awkward one. What, to have what's to the ma- what's the matter? What's the matter, Taylor? Are you not into bug on human relations? Well, I, I think the tongue was. Uh, that's just how they say. That hello. definitely was the most. That's just how they. <laughs> say. No, but literally, that is that is. Yeah, that is how they, they say hello. It's in the comic. Yeah, you got you got you got a problem with other cultures just saying hello in different ways, Taylor. <laughs> Apparently, I do. Apparently, I do. But not even getting into any of that, which I'm sure we will at some point in this episode. But there's a part where Nolan uh, gets back down from in the sky, and he sees like, oh, all these people are dead, and he starts to cry. Then he turns around and starts choking Mark in like this, like, what the hell are you doing moment? And he goes, why do I feel this? We're going to live thousands of years. These people should, I should feel nothing for them. Why do I care? And it shows like, oh, this isn't the same Omni Man (laughs) from last season. There is growth here. And then you get the moment with Mark saying, this is how you should have felt on Earth. And you just go... Like, uh, Drew, I compared it to Anakin Skywalker, right? The what-if moment. Like, man, what if you just didn't do it? That's the thing where you go, man, he was that close. Not redeeming himself, but changing. And it just took, I guess, him killing thousands of people on Earth for him to realize it. Hey, man, you know, we all all gotta grow every now and then. You know, whatever it takes. I think that also the irony is that technically Omni-Man was feeling this... with this way on earth and he was just trying to deny it the whole time and if he could convince mark about it then he was right that was the whole big thing yeah. that i loved about uh that i loved about season one's finale because it's like you can tell he's unlearning his violence but in his crucial moment he is delving back into it to try and get mark to accept it he went all in yeah on the viltrumite way to convince mark and that's what like did him in and he went way too far. Uh, and you, I agree with you, too. I think we see that throughout season one. 
You also see it at the very end of the Adam's Eve special. Mm-hmm. Where he has that conflicting, like, Viltramite look of, I am above these people, too. I love them. I can't, like, what am I going to do if this kid gets powers? So, I'm very interested to see what he's going to do the rest of the season. He is currently captured and, I guess, awaiting execution. I doubt he's going to get killed off screen, so we'll probably see him again. Oh, I can't wait. I, I can't wait. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot there, but but I think you guys will be able to say a lot more about this next character, and that's Debbie Grayson. What I do know from listening to YouTube videos and scrolling through Reddit is people generally going, the show does a lot more with Debbie than the comic does. Yes. Like, yes, there's a lot absolutely. In this season that Debbie gets to do that she doesn't really get a whole lot to do in the comic. And I think that's a great change because it may, I don't like when characters, and this isn't just go like, oh, female characters. I'm just, I don't like when main characters just get sidelined completely and have absolutely nothing to do. Like, I will say one of my issues while we're going through a character arc with Eve. I'm kind of waiting for something to happen with Eve. Same thing with the Guardians. I feel like we need to go somewhere with those two stories, and we're not. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, the mom, you just don't like how her character gets in. No, but she was a main character last season. She was uncovering what happened to the Guardians and learning about her husband. Like, for you just to sideline that character and keep her around is just wasteful, really? Story-wise, I'm really glad what they did with their character here because it shows, to me anyways, like what Nolan did and how much of an impact his words and what he did impacted her. Like She's at one point, just like Nolan, she's suicidal. She was at the edge of a bridge about to jump off. Yeah. So I really love yeah. what they did with her character. Only complaint I do have, I know it's a grieving husband, but man, that husband uh, from the support group. He's like, damn, bro. What a fucking dick. I really want him to show up and get beat up by somebody. <laughs> see, I see, like, I am of two I am of two worlds because when I first saw this, I was like, you fucking bitch. And I was like, I was like so ready to jump through the screen and punch his lights out. But then I re- but then it's like I have to also remember it's like not only is he a grieve is he a grieving husband, but he's also like in in his mind, he was just talking with the wife of his wife's murderer. So it's like it's like a bunch yeah, of yeah. But emotions. he's the one who brings up the conversation too. He's the one who like invites her out for drinks and like, hey, why don't you open up? Like she was not ready to open up about anything, and yeah. he basically forced it. When that's like the opposite of what they're supposed to do in that group. I think he's the one who revealed personal information first, which was a big yeah, no-no. Yeah, was a big no-no. That is true. Was a big no-no. <laughs> and man, and man, did that hurt her. Just, just before he even yeah. knows, she is breaking down. So, and when I say I don't like it, too, I mean, like, I hate it for Debbie, but it adds on to the very interesting storyline that she is currently going on. Because at this point, I would say she doesn't really have a purpose in life. And it, you see like her son going off to college and all that stuff. And she's just 
going through life and trying to move on, but she really just can't. I find that all very compelling to see what they're going to do with the rest of the season with her. Uh, I think I know what they're going to end up doing, but I'm going to save that for later. Uh, what did you guys think of Debbie's story? Someone get her, like, a million hugs stat. Oh, <laughs> Like, even, it, when I, even with the little that they did in the comic, it's like, every time I saw her, I was like, good God, someone just hug her, please. And it it was... It just hurts so much to see it in more detail here. Because I always assumed that Debbie was doing more in the comics. But it's like, of course, they didn't—they don't show it because they've got limited space and everything. But, oh, God, it, hurt. it, it, like, it hurts whenever like, you see her struggling and everything. Then there's also like, that moment when she breaks, where she breaks down and Mark shows up. And just the parallels between Mark and Nolan that she sees and is trying to push him away. It's just so sad because it's like, you know, she doesn't mean it, but God, you know, Mark probably had like emotional scarring from that. It's like they used they used Debbie effectively, but gosh, darn, my heart can't take this. Uh, I really like Debbie's arc in this season. It's funny because this is one of those things where her storyline, I would say, is probably... I would argue the most up in the air for a lot of characters between hers and Eve's. I feel like the way they've played with the order in which events happens, those who are the most uh, affected by it. Like in the comic, she was just uh, a housewife before everything happened with Nolan. She didn't start being a realtor again until after Nolan was gone. Like, that was part of what got her out of her funk, like, out of the depression, like, going back to work. So it's interesting that they've replaced that with this sort of support group story arc. That wasn't something that was in the comic. And the fact that we're getting the opportunity to deal a bit more with her interiority outside of her just immediately, you know, turning to to alcoholism and, and drinking, I think that is interesting in the way that now that we see how that support group maybe didn't work out for we're going to start getting more into the what we can expect like from the comic where okay now she's starting to be you know drinking a bit too much now she's starting to have this this friendship with art that we see starting um towards the the end of that episode um i'm very curious to see where exactly Debbie goes next. I mean, we have some ideas, obviously, based on things that happen in, in, in the comic, but I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing how they help her get through this specific grieving process, because like I said, the way they've changed the timeline, it's like, mm, okay, so what are we doing next? Yeah. But talking about Mark, who is going through one hell of a season so far. And what I find so funny, and I'm just going to throw it to you guys here in a second. What I find so funny is he's been through so much shit. He has no idea that there's basically like a Kang-like villain who's waiting to kill him and just biding his time. Hey man, you, 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 you make a lot of, you make a lot of enemies when you're out there being a superhero. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has no idea that's waiting for him. So he's over there like a Viltrumite invasion, all these side villains coming back. And he's gonna have to deal with Cecil. He still has college, by the way. He's got a lot on his plate. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. And at some point, there's gonna be a motherfucker who comes through a portal and just starts fighting him. And I can't wait for it because he's just gonna be like, "Where the fuck did you come from?" 
what did you guys think of Mark's story so far and where it's kind of progressing to this point? Uh, Tristan, do you mind? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to say that all Viltrumites have to have a depression flight because, good God, this season started with Mark just, like, being so distant from everything. And you can tell he is, like, there and not there at the same time. And it's just, ugh. Then we get Nolan's at, I can't say the end of the season, so I'm going to say the mid-season uh, starter of the episode and everything. Viltrumites just have to have a depression flight. <laughs> Good God. Well, Debbie also has a depressing walk. So maybe it's just... It's just a Grayson thing, you know? Grayson. It's a Grayson thing. Yeah. It's in, the, it's in the genes. Grayson's going through it. Yeah, this this family, geez. But... I do gotta I do gotta say, like, knowing where Mark's story goes and the ups and downs and the twist arounds and everything, I gotta say, I like that Mark is actively trying to get his life together. Like he is actively trying to like tackle it with everything with everything he's got, but he also but he also is like he's a teen he's a teenager, and what's more, he is a teenager who has now developed daddy issues. It's like, my dad didn't love me. He thought my mom was a pet. So it's like, ooh. Not only has it been through a lot, but you can see him actively trying to recover and everything. And I I kind of want to save some stuff for when we start talking about Cecil, because he is a big part of it as well. But Mark has been going through the ringer. I do like, however, that, oh my god, Amber, just going to put put this quickly here. Amber is, she in my eyes, she is fixed. She's recovered. Thank God it's no longer they're no longer trying to uh they're they're no longer trying to act like that she has omniscience and everything and just allow her to be just in the moment with Mark and has to deal with having a superhero boyfriend and how the two bounce off each other. It's like this is the chemistry. This is Mark and Amber's chemistry, and it's so good. It is so good. I like it. And it's helping Mark recover a bit. It's quite funny how one scene can deteriorate a character so badly. Because prior to that scene, like, like Tristan, you and I talked about this in the spoiler talk. Mm. Like, the character was perfectly fine. I wouldn't say, like, she was, like, the, one of the best characters or anything. But to that point, I think everybody was generally, oh, yeah, she's pretty good. That one scene happens, and worst character ever in the history of television. <laughs> to the point now, like, we are in season two. And you can tell, man, I'm not, like, blaming the writers. I'm not blaming the people who dislike the character. I just find it very funny. You can tell they are basically like, all right, we got to make Amber, like, as different from that one scene as possible. She's going to be very understanding. We're going to have a line about it's because they know what the deal is in their relationship now, which I think does fit the story. So it's good. It makes sense for the slight changes they're making here. But it's all to basically fix that one scene that they accidentally, like, I think Robert Kirkman has talked about, like, they forgot the placement of the school episode and then that scene. And that one mistake has pretty much caused them to go, all right, I guess we just gotta have Amber do what she's doing this season and be as supportive of his superhero stuff as possible and just basically fix the character and then we'll move on and give her her own thing later on. But I don't know. I just find that very funny. The thi- I think the thing that uh, I'm a bit wor- I'm a bit worried about with that is that Amber 
like Amber, it's like I like where they're going with right now to where she's trying to do her political she's trying to do her political stuff and you see her trying to push for advocacy and it's like instead of it feeling like where before it's like she had so much go she had so much going on you kind of wondered how like she even had time for like a boyfriend with Mark and everything which honestly could have made the relationship and made that interesting it's just I'm just, I'm just worried like if they go if they go back to what they were trying to do like in season 1 and everything Will it feel like that it's just so much that the relationship gets soured again? Because I don't want it to. I, I don't like think it. they're trying to do anything. I think they just accidentally went like, oh yeah, we just want to break up for an episode. <laughs> but the way they did it was just one of those things where you get lost in translation in the process, the creative process. So that's where it's, I'm not as harsh on it as other people. And Tristan, I think you aren't either. If anything, I'm, I think I'm I'm the least harsh, probably. Like, my issue wasn't even the episode where she's like, yeah, I know. It was like, okay. Like, it's still a bit unreasonable that it's like, all right, you, you, you've but also... Teenagers. Been, but teenagers. That's kind yeah, of yeah it was like, but teenagers. The part that bothered yeah. me was then in the finale when she they immediately back gets back together. together with him like that nothing happens like okay no you should have a conversation because you were just giving him <laughs> shit for all this which again was your right you didn't like that you were being lied to like by all means dump his ass you know kick his ass to the curb but then to immediately take him back yeah. like oh it's all forget i'm like okay well no there should be a larger like don't just the get back issue you had sad. is still present yeah like yeah. you can't just yeah. sweep that under the rug that feels just like weird you know that I just didn't care for that, um, but no. In this season, like I like it, I was like, okay, yeah, she's still Amber. Like she's still, you know, Zazie Beat still giving a yeah. entertaining performance. Like she's she's uh, they have more of a, a balance in their. I guess it's not really a work. I guess it's more because Mark has a bit of a a work life balance, except that he doesn't. But I guess it's more of a. He's able to, it seems like he's doing a better job of balancing his relationship a little bit more in terms of now that he's actually able to be honest with her, they can have these, these more clear and open discussions. He can communicate. And like she says, like, don't, you know, take advantage of this. Like, just because I understand, you know, like, don't, don't take it for granted, but they're even, you know, there, there's still those moments where you can see like he's attempting to make time for her and whatnot, you know, before shit goes crazy and it's like hey we gotta you know go save the world or hey we gotta go to another alien planet um yeah no i i, I like their vegas he, yeah they had, had to go to vegas i mean he couldn't you know like you said he couldn't fly her to the real pairs otherwise her skin would have <laughs> torn off um but yeah no I, I i like where they're at this season i'm glad we brought this up too I feel like that's a skill issue. Just gonna do, just gonna do this real quick, Taylor. Then uh, keep keep your thought. I feel like it's a skill issue because Omni Man was taking Debbie everywhere. We even hear yeah, him but, to the freaking North Pole. <laughs> yes, but think about it, because he was saying he couldn't take her there and back quick enough for her her hour lunch break without her skin getting torn off. When, uh, when oh yeah, Mark okay, and Debbie. Taken. I mean, when Debbie and Nolan were going out before. You know, there wasn't necessarily a, a, a time limit. You know, they could take their time, but, you know, she she had to get back to work. Yeah. But I like that we brought this up, though, because I find it, again, I find it interesting. And I think Tristan hit the nail on the head when he's like, Amber still feels like Amber, which is good. Because there is a version of this because, oh, yeah, we screwed up in the first season. People really didn't like this character. 
that we're going to overdo it to the point to where she doesn't feel like the character we originally intended anymore. But her character doesn't feel like that to me. It just more so it feels as if the show went, damn it, we fucked up in season one there. Can't believe that one moment really screwed it up so badly, but here we are. I guess we're we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to go a little overtime on some aspects of her character. But the core of who Amber is, wanting to help people in her own way, and being this, I don't want to say just a supportive character to Mark, but she is part of his support group alongside William. Like, his tethers to his human side, right? And I think they've really kept that. Which is really good. And I think it adds to what the original part of this conversation was, which was Mark's character arc so far this season. Which has been nothing short of outstanding to me. This very tug of war between we see he still loves his father, but he is not his father. But uh, you guys got anything else to say about Mark? I don't know if you guys talked about his character arc or not. I don't remember. It's good shit. Like, technically, he hasn't fully gone through his character arc just no. yet. Everything is so, good, though. So there character you go. arc so far. Yeah, so it's like, it's good. Yeah, but it's good. It's like, it's a nice, se- it's a nice setup. Uh, again, if you know where it's going, it's like, you're excited. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's on, it's on the right track to success. Same with, with, uh, no one's and then Debbie's it's like, yeah, I, I like what we're doing. This tracks, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Talking about Angstrom Levy though, in depth, I talked about how he kind of reminds me of a Spider-Man villain. Somebody who starts out with good intentions, a little little too egomaniac he talks about being the prometheus for humanity and that kind of made me tilt my head a little bit add into addition his view of pacifism with oh i can just leave you on this barren desolate earth that's very dangerous yeah yeah that one kind of threw me off too i was like it's pat you're not killing them but you're killing them at the same time like you are it's fine it's fine yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Come on. It's the whole Batman killing Ra's al Ghul's. <laughs> it's not murder. It's not murder. I didn't shoot him. It's not murder. It's just damnation. <laughs> Those are two totally different concepts. Come on. It reminds me so much of the Batman versus Ra's al Ghul thing. I oh, don't, I'm don't. i not going to kill you, but I don't have to but save you. And then he just dips out. Like, no, you, you killed like, him. Yeah, you, you could have saved you him. C- because you, it's not even that he just didn't save him. It's like, because you caused this accident, you are now responsible for killing him. Yeah. So if he did lead the Mahler twins there, I feel like that would have been murder. That would have been against his pacifism. But generally, I really did enjoy the character when he was on the good side. Uh, the Mahler twins are always a win at this point. They're great. Yeah. But, uh... Angstrom Levy thought he was a really good character. What'd you guys think of him? Uh, Angstrom Levy's one of my favorite villains in Invincible. Um, so just seeing the 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 beginnings, I'm like, oh wow! So we're really getting. I wasn't necessarily expecting them to go full on. Oh, he's got the big head now, like right in that first episode. Um, but it's like, okay, so that's where we're going with this. Like that's exciting. Um, I think Sterling K. Brown's performance is is fantastic. I. Really look forward to seeing more from him because this is, you know, we've only gotten like five seconds of the character being a a villain. 
and man, he's going to do some fucking cool shit. So with Angstrom Levy, it's, it's more just the, the anticipation than anything else. Like we get, you know, some great emotional beats from Sterling K Brown in, in that first episode, but past that, it's just all looking ahead to what we know was coming from him. Yeah. I uh, agree with Tristan 100%. I also like how this Angstrom is just, look is just looking at the different views of invincible and everything is like he starts out before the accident saying like in most universes mark sides with his dad and it's like you're basically it's like with angstrom we are basically seeing every possibility of mark's downfall in different in different ways and it's just so good it's like you're basically seeing the worst parts of mark at their extreme with just his cameos and where he and where he's like hopping to different worlds to see Mark. Yeah, just trying to figure out what his weaknesses are so he can go back to the main universe, I guess. And I guess enact his revenge, which you said Sterling K. Brown crushed it. And I feel like that's an understatement. Like, <laughs> this man is so underrated as an actor. I really believe that. The very end of the episode where they're they're toying with the audience the whole time with the title card. Fucking perfection. Great job. Because it was all building to that moment at the end where he's just like, I want revenge. I won't stop till I've killed. Title card. I love how they've been playing around with the title card mechanic as well. Yeah. But that moment there is 10 out of 10 why I think, one of the many reasons why I think people love this show so much. And it's probably one of the most hype moments to me. And I think a lot of that is because of Sterling, Sterling K. Brown's performance there. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see what he does next. And uh, again, he just kind of feels like an afterthought, which is really funny compared to what we're currently seeing with like Marvel. And how big of a deal the multiverse is, and whether Kang is the villain or Doom's the villain or what, it feels like the multiverse and all this is going to be, yeah, that's the main thing. And over here in Invincible, you know, Mark's dealing with a He's lot. He's got a lot of play. And it's mainly, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> the Viltrumites are pretty big priority number one. And I think this guy, who he doesn't even know exists, he wouldn't probably crack the top five right now. But he probably will. And I think the way they're handling the multiverse, which is, you know, the way they handle it in the comic, is this is why when everyone was like, oh, they're doing the multiverse? Like, God, it's going to be, everyone's doing it now. This is why the fans were like, no, just like give it time. Because I think part of it's why. It's refreshing. Yeah, and it's refreshing. I think part of why it's so refreshing is because with the way everything's treating the multiverse now, it's always such a big thing. Like, it's the end-all, be-all for what other story is. Like, it's the big thing that we're having to tackle and deal with. You know, the MCU, even the Flash. But in the comics, like, yeah, the multiverse can be a big thing if it's a crisis event. But sometimes it's just, just happening in the multiverse. Like, it's just a thing. This is just a superhero trope. Like, it's a storytelling device. And that's how the comic treats it. That's how the show is treating it. And that's why it doesn't feel like, oh, we've got this big, overwhelming, you know, secret crisis invasion of alternate Earths. Like, it's just, this is just a thing that happens. And it's also one guy who wants revenge on another guy. Yeah. 
and think about it, like in terms of them making the multiverse a big deal, like on, you know, I, I like to give it a lot of shit, but with the DC, you know, CW shows, sure. When they first like crossed over in the multiverse, it was a big deal, but then it was just a thing that happened. Like you didn't really think mm -hmm. much of it. It's like, oh yeah, Supergirl just popped over to the flash or vice versa. It's like, yeah, they can just do that now. Like that. It's just when it's just a storytelling device and they're not beating you over the head with a, this is the most important thing that's happening in the fate of all realities everywhere. Like it's just, yeah, this is, this is a Thursday for them. <laughs> What's funny is they always happen to cross over to those other universes, the CW verse, of course, right around Thanksgiving time. Hey, you know, wonder what that was about. Huh? Who knows? Right before the holidays, you know, it's strange the timing of all those crossovers happen to be at the same time of the year. I mean, maybe they had a lot to be thankful about. Yeah, maybe. Hey, maybe or or maybe Barry was messing with time again. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree with you, man. I think they've been using the multiverse very well. Like you said, it feels like more just, hey, this is something that's in the universe it's not going to be a big secret invasion kind of thing and you can see already even if you don't read the comics if you are just a show watcher like myself you can kind of see already oh this is mostly for mark as a character because mm -hmm. i don't know where it's going but i can easily see so many different directions for instance you can see mark get thrown into a universe where he is the villain with his father and he has to reckon with the fact oh, I side with him, so I am like my father. So, you know what I mean? There's so many interesting character beats to go in with the multiverse for Mark, but not for the universe of Invincible, which I think is a very clear distinction. And I'm very glad with how they're going about it so far. And that's not to, like, trivialize Angstrom Levy as a character. He feels very dangerous, but he feels like he's just waiting in the shadows, which is a perfect way to slowly introduce this villain that at some point, I don't know if it's this season. I don't know if it'll be the beginning of next season, but at some point, you know, we're going to be in the middle of one story. And then all of a sudden invincible gets attacked by Angstrom Levy and it's going to be fucking awesome. He's just going to be there just being like, Hey, look at me, my big fat fucking brain. What do you do about it? I would love for him to just look at Invincible and say, you did this to me, you know? And Mark, and Mark is just totally confused. But two final questions, and then we're getting out of here. All right. First off, in the style of a mini episode like Alan Alien or the Animated Special, what episode do you want to see focused on a character we haven't gotten a backstory of? Rexplode. I mean, yeah. Like he's I, yeah, uh, same. We're big Rexplode guys over here. Yeah. I think Rexplode is probably the most safe answer because of... Because of the fact that he has a miniseries origin comic. <laughs> 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 yeah. Did not know that, but it feels like it's a safe answer because there's a lot there and it feels like the show really wants to get into it, but they just don't have the time. Yeah. I would also say a Cecil one would be very interesting. I get, that could be interesting. I just like my only my only question is like, well, yeah, actually, no, he technically does because I think he wrote that series too. Okay, never mind. Yeah, Cecil's totally doable. Yeah, because you know, get some Cecil backstory mm -hmm. and guarding the globe. Yeah, 
honestly would like some immortal stuff. Yeah. It's, you know, maybe there'll be characters we see this season that will want backstories from. Who's to say? Final question. Going back to the finale, the mid-season finale here, we didn't really talk about the Viltrumite fights. Shit was goaded. I want to talk about that, and then we're going to get out of here. How'd you feel about these fight scenes? I absolutely fucking loved them. Steve Harvey going, getting his guts ripped out, coming back, taking out Nolan's spine. Like, ah, so good. <laughs> only complaint, which they were a little bit bloodier. My only complaint is I want, I like the other people on Twitter, I want more designs just because those comic panels are so goaded, man. They are so good. But they do recreate a couple shots where you're like, okay, you, you, you guys, you know what's up. You know the vibes. Yeah. Oh, I also do like the uh the so the knife lady how she battles with her um braid. Thula. It's like, yeah, I was like, damn, them. Why are they making them fight Thula on on Thoraxis? Like they don't. She doesn't show up normally till later when things happen. Yeah, but it's like I but it's like I think I understand they're trying to like compartmentalize the different Viltrumites and everything. I do admit, like uh, some of the some of the changes not a total fa- not a total fan of. But it's like, I'm on board all the same. Mm-hmm. Fight itself was dope, though. Oh, yeah. I will say, though, I really do love how brutal not only the Viltrumites are, but how brutal the fights are. Because it feels... I'm trying to have a comparison here. How Kryptonians would actually fight? Well, I was going to say, I know there have been some comparisons like, man, this feels like an R-rated Dragon Ball Z. Like I get what they're saying with that, but it feels like it really ramps up the powers of a Viltrumite. And what I mean by that, it, which is funny because uh, arguably two of them get killed. I think only one of them got killed, but besides the point, um, three of them got very gravely injured. And one of those people still managed to take out Nolan. It was a cheap attack. But he still took mm-hmm. out Nolan with his guts hanging out. Yes. I think if you write that a certain way, you make the Viltrumites look a bit weak. Especially with Mark coming out and actually handling a one-on-one fight with a Viltrumite. But I thought they did a great job with that, too. Of how you, we kind of learn, in retrospect, oh, in Season 1, he was still, in a way, holding back because it was his father. Like, he didn't want to kill him. And he finally lets that go for a few seconds, and we see what a little taste of what he could be, which I thought was good. We didn't get to see the full potential of Mark Grayson, which is, uh, it's good to hold off on that. But the brutality of the Viltrumites, there's a way you could do that and have them get injured so badly, and have them come off as, oh yeah, they're weak, they all get taken out. Instead, it feels like Mark, or not Mark, Nolan is so powerful. And these Viltrumites are so durable and so powerful at the same time. Because, again, Steve Harvey guy, I don't mean to keep calling him that, but I do not remember his name. Lucan. And he looks <laughs> yeah, just like You him. just had to ask, man. Yeah, his name's Lucan. <laughs> I'd much rather just keep going through life calling him Steve Harvey. <laughs> but besides the point, I don't think he's dead. I think he's going to somehow recover. I don't know if, what was the other, Thula? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure she's dead. I know that sounds very crazy. If they do it like the comics, she's not. 
So who knows if they killed her off or not. I I just think they're going with this thing where Veltramites are so fucking durable that you're going to have to basically do what Nolan did to the other one to where he literally split his skull and smashed him to kill him. So I, I think they did a great job of showing the threat of a Veltramite. And then at the very end we get, of course, the awesome Clancy Brown. Big Clancy. Voicing another character. General Krieg. <laughs> in this General series Krieg. here. Honestly, when I heard Clancy Brown was going to be in this, I ha- I thought he was another character. Tristan, you know which one I'm talking about. I know which one you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, I. but it's like, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad that he... Actually, that he and Drew, I, I won't say the name of the character, but knowing who who you're thinking of, when I read that character, I think Michael Shannon. Oh! Yeah, that's a good one. I will find him. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Do with that information yeah. what you will, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Or don't. Don't do with it what you will. Do with it what you won't. Do with it what you will or won't. It is your decision. Drew, I also think you were talking about in our season one retrospective how uh, you thought Clancy Brown might be coming back to play Damien Dartblood. Like, which did not happen. So, Well, like, not I'm, yet. Like, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> the season ain't over. T- Who's to say? Any final thoughts on Invincible Season 2 Part 1? Good shit. I'm looking forward to Part 2. Drew? It, do, it does what a Part 1 should by being a, by being a big tease, and I hate it and love it at the same time. Overall, great season, though, so far. I would say it's on par with Season 1. Cannot wait to see what the rest of the season has in store. Tristan, what are you working on? Where can the people find you? I'm still cranking out content over at Screen Rant, so you can go read some of that work uh, if you're if you're looking to support my endeavors. But if you just want to, you know, stalk my socials, then you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at BackIssueBends. Drew, what are you working on, and where can the people find you? You. Well, currently I'm at my job, so YouTube's going to be a bit slow. But until then, you can find me on my socials on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Drew Garrison underscore. If you want to check out some of my YouTube videos, though, just look up the writer's room. Be sure to do all that because both of them also have link trees in the description of this episode. Also in the description of this episode is a link to our Discord, which is where you can find me and Kristen and Drew as well so if you want to chat with us join our discord we'd love to hear from you also consider giving us a rating it would be tremendous if it was a positive rating finally be sure to check out the nerdsash.com for all sorts of news in the world of gaming movies television and so much more we got lists guides opinion pieces you name it you can find it on the nerdsash.com i want to thank tristan for joining me i want to thank drew for joining me We'll be back with another episode next week. Peace. Bye, bitches.